Welcome to Small Business Big Network, the podcast for small business owners who want big results from their networking. I'm Liz Drury, a freelance voiceover artist who knows that if you're not working, then networking could help. Robin Hills is the director of EI for Change. He's found networking to be very beneficial for his business. In fact, it's even led to him becoming an author. Robin specialises in emotional intelligence, something we all need to help us in our home and workplace relationships and in our networking too. Thank you very much for being my podcast guest, Robin. Oh, it's a pleasure to be on your show, Liz. You're most welcome. Now, Robin, you're the director at EI for Change, the EI being emotional intelligence. So can you describe for us first what emotional intelligence is and why we all need it? Well, emotional intelligence, put very simply, is the way in which you combine your thinking with your feelings in order to make authentic decisions and build up relationships. So the key components of emotional intelligence are the social skills that you use in order to engage with people at a deeper level, considering how they're emotionally impacting on the environment and how the environment is emotionally impacting on them and on you. Mm. And your company, EI for Change, tell me what you what you do. Well, we specialise in um, support and training around emotional intelligence at the personal level, the team level and the organisational level. And we work with organisations locally, nationally and globally to deliver interventions around emotional intelligence. Well, that all sounds very good, Mm. but... Uh, You know, what sort of things? Well, organisations are interested in getting improved performance through their people. So we have very much a business focus around emotional intelligence. It's about leadership. It's about team working. It's about conflict management. It's about communication skills. It's about engaging with people inside and outside of the business. So it affects everything that we do. And a lot of things are around how do I engage better with stakeholders? So how do I sell more? How do I deliver a better quality of service? How do I engage with uh, people and get them to really work well with what it is that we're doing. And what kind of size of business do you work with? Is it big multinational companies? Uh, Do you work with um, small companies as well? We work with small startups all the way through to big multinational corporate organisations. It's any organisation that really feels that there's a need to utilise what it is that we do. And you don't just do that in this country, do you? No, no, no. We are a global organisation and uh, we have um, getting on for a quarter of a million people taking our online courses in 190 countries. Now, I can't even list 190 countries, (laughs) so uh, I'm actually purely blessed around the work that we do with EI for Change. That's amazing. So how did you get to be where where you are now? How did you grow your business to be working in such so many countries across the world? Well, I'm sure you and your listeners will be absolutely delighted to hear that it's through 
networking. Hooray. <laughs> and, well, if it wasn't for networking, I wouldn't be here now, Liz. And it's a fundamental part of establishing EI for Change from those very early days all the way through to where we are now and beyond. And it will continue. And so what kind of networking did you do when you first set up your business? Well, when I first set up my business, I hadn't really got any clients uh, locally, nationally or internationally. And I really did need to go out there and engage with people to try and build up a business. And let, let's not uh, pull any punches here. It was tough. Mm. It was very, very very hard people would tell me it was going to people would tell me it's going to be tough and to a certain extent I listened to that and I understood but I didn't really believe how tough it was and uh, I joined a number of breakfast networking events to go along uh, weekly to give my 60 seconds mm. and to pitch to people who were also in the same breakfast networking club and through that, I built up a number of connections and uh, I learned my art and I learned my trade and I learned how to engage and sell a network with emotional intelligence. And how long would you say it took before you really got traction from the networking, before people really understood what it is that, that you do and were able to refer you on to, to their wider network? Well, to be honest with you, Liz, and to be perfectly honest with you and your listeners, I don't think a lot of people in the breakfast networking events do understand emotional intelligence. <laughs> and if I go along to a breakfast networking event, I rarely mention it other than in the name of the organisation, because a lot of people at the networking events really are interested in, well, what can you do for me and yes. how can you help me yeah. to grow my business? And so, of course, a lot of what I tended to do in networking events was coaching and uh, helping people to understand that this is an intervention that I use when I do my work. Uh, now, some people would say to me, oh, I've got an opportunity here. Um, and they would put me into contact with people to have further conversations. Mm -hmm. Some of them worked, some of them didn't. So to go back to your original question, how long? Um, I suppose that's a difficult question to answer because <laughs> from this point, I, I can't remember. I was having conversations with people from the first breakfast networking event onwards. Now, whether that actually led to business or not, um, I don't know because business happens and then you kind of wheedle it back and worm your way through to where did that come from? And, and often conversations that you had, which seem totally irrelevant at the time, yeah. lead to something that leads to something else yeah. that leads to something else that leads to business. Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of those things, networking, that you have to have to be consistent with and you build on it week on week and people learn a little bit more about what you do and it will maybe ask you a different question the following week that elicits a little bit more information 
and then they were able to pass that on to their network and it it just it just builds up over time doesn't it oh it does it does and um i look back at the networking relationships that i've built up that are incredibly strong today and whilst some of those people are still continuing with breakfast networking and getting good business from it i'm afraid i don't tend to go to breakfast networking meetings anymore because I'm just too busy. And um, when you're working at a kind of global level, some of the colloquialisms around what goes on where I live, which is in Bolton and in Lancashire and in Greater Manchester, just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Now, I know you're the author of a couple of books, so no wonder you're very busy. Um, tell, tell me a bit about, about the books that you've written and um, how those are helpful to people in business. Well, let's start off by saying that the opportunity for me to publish these books came through networking and I was approached by uh, a lady called Sue Richardson who runs a publishing organisation, SRA Associates, and Sue spoke to me about the opportunity to get some books published. So the books that I focused in on are uh, around emotional resilience Mm. and behaviour and business. Both of these are underpinned with emotional intelligence. And at the time, Sue was setting up a new uh, arm to her business, which was the Authority Guide series, and said that what I was proposing would fit very nicely under the Authority Guide series. Now, the other interesting thing about a published book, which I'm sure you're aware of, but perhaps many of your listeners are not aware of, is that a published book doesn't lead to massive overnight sales Mm -hmm. and you're going to be a a billionaire like J.K. (laughs) Rowling. Oh, I wish. Um, What happens with a, a business book is that it acts like a business card. So if you give your book away to people, whereas with a business cloud, after three to six months, they'll lob it in the recycling bin, with a book, people will keep it. They may not read it, but at least it's there on their desk, on their shelf. It's a permanent reminder of who you are and Mm. what you do and how you can deliver it. Yes, it's another way of keeping yourself front of mind with people, isn't it? It is, it is. And I think a lot of people feel a little bit guilty around the fact that perhaps they haven't read the book or perhaps they haven't engaged with you through the book in an appropriate way. And so when an opportunity uh, presents itself, you are front of mind. So they're more inclined to pick up the phone, uh, send an email get in touch through social media and make that connection again. Mm. So I know one of your books is The Authority Guide to Behaviour in Business. So what, what can we learn by reading it? Well, the main focus around the book is looking at behaviour and business. It's how people behave. It's how people work with and use their preferences. Now, a preference is a choice around doing something and often with preferences there's no right or wrong they're just a a simple choice for example when you write you have a choice over which hand you write with now your strongest writing hand for most people is their right hand Mm. but a lot of people are left-handed 
It's a choice, it's a preference. Now, if we were to work with our non-preferred uh, choice, our non-preferred hand, and we were to write with our non-preferred hand, we'd find it incredibly tiring. We'd find it de-energizing. The output wouldn't look particularly good. It would be readable, but it would look childish. And we'd have to put a lot of effort into getting it to look fairly decent. Mm. But as time goes by, we actually get better at it. Well, it's the same with business behaviour and preferences around choices that you can be made around ways to behave. Some people have a very clear and strong focus on outcomes and they will drive towards outcomes and goals and work very, very consistently to make sure that that happens. Other people have a preference for working with procedures, policies, guidelines, and will be very, very strict at working towards understanding what they need to do and how they need to do it. Other people are much more focused on harmony and relationships and look at building up quality networks and, and work like working in teams. Mm. And then finally, other people have a preference for creativity and innovation and like to do things differently and in new ways. Now, blending all of those together, we can have different ways in which we engage with the business environment based upon our preferences. And knowing ourselves and knowing how we work in a business setting will give us a clearer way of communicating better with other people and having our needs met and meeting their needs. It sounds like there's a lot of psychology involved in your book. Is that something that you've studied in the past? I am registered with the British Psychological Society and I sit on the committee for the Association for Business Psychology. Now, a lot of that has come up through dare I say it again, through net networking. <laughs> and um, I didn't study psychology when I went to university. I studied biology. And the reason why I didn't study psychology, it was something that I was vaguely interested in, but it wasn't on the curriculum at school, so mm. I didn't understand a lot of it. And it all seemed to be a bit... Freudian and Jungian and uh, rats in maze at the, at the time and uh, I didn't really want to study it because it seemed incredibly dry yeah. and it was. I think uh, over the years we've now come to understand that psychology is a lot richer and a lot deeper and it's a very critical social science so most of my engagement around psychology has been learnt uh, through engagements and going along to various meetings where I'm actually learning something and building up my knowledge bank and building up my skills and capabilities around that and uh, again through through networking I've established myself very much in the sphere of business psychology which I'm pleased and proud about however I don't have a piece of paper to say that I'm qualified in this area. How do you think people could um, use knowing a bit about psychology to become better networkers? 
Well, I, I think it goes back to what we started the conversation with, is around emotional intelligence. One of the key fundamentals of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. And self-awareness is all, all, all about understanding what it is that you're good at so that you can do more of that. Mm. Having an acceptance and knowledge about what your limitations are, what your weaknesses are, and not necessarily working with those, but if they get in the way, then working around those in order that you can work with people and you can communicate with them, knowing your own preferences. So, again, let me give you an example. Uh, one of the easiest ones to look at is extroversion and introversion. Mm. Um, now, when we look at it from a Jungian perspective, it's not about being shy or being loud and gregarious. It's none of those. Those are consequences of the behaviours that come out of extroversion and introversion. What we're looking at is where do people get their energy from? Mm. Now, having an understanding that you have an extroversion preference, so you get your energy from it, talking to other people, working in groups, going out networking, and uh, really building up those networks because you can build up a good business that way, is a good way of using extroversion. But some people have an introversion preference and this means that they're quite happy to do that but it tires them out mm. and after a networking event they don't want to go on to another business meeting they want to go back to the office for a bit of quiet time yeah. and do a bit of quiet reflective work nothing wrong with that but uh, when you're actually engaged in the networking event, you probably don't know whether somebody's got an introversion or an extroversion preference if they are happily talking to people and really building up those quality conversations that they need and starting to put people in touch with other people and sharing elements of their work and their business and talking about various aspects outside of work. Um, it's only afterwards when the person says, oh, I've got to go back to the office or, oh, I'm going on to another meeting, would you like to come with me, that you might be able to say to yourself, ah, this person's got an extroversion mm -hmm. or an introversion preference. But Going back to knowing yourself and having this level of self-awareness, once you know that in yourself, it will actually help you to go into the networking meetings and get a lot more from it rather than saying, oh, I'm shy here. Yeah, people with a, an extroversion preference are shy, but once you get them going, <laughs> off they go. It seems to me that emotional intelligence ought to be something that is taught about in schools um, is it included in the curriculum at all do you know this is starting to happen I'm pleased to say Liz but it's starting to happen in kindergarten and in primary schools and I think by the time um, students pupils get to secondary school it we go back into the cognitive intelligence focus which is all around delivering the academic curriculum it really should be fundamentally a part of everything that we are doing in the curriculum at secondary school 
and also when we go along to tertiary education at universities. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm speaking from the point of view of a parent who has a daughter who is probably about to drop out of university because she feels she's gone in the wrong direction. And I think, you know, had she um, had some training around emotional intelligence and been able to work out who she is and what she prefers, that might not have happened. I think you're right. I think you're right. And uh, I think a lot of people do go to university with an expectation of this is what I want to study. And when they get there, it doesn't actually quite deliver what they were expecting. So um, uh, also, let's, let's face it, a lot of young people find it very, very tough because they're away from home for the first mm. time. And they miss their friends, they miss their family, they miss their pets. They miss the security of knowing that whatever happens, there's going to be some food on the table, there's going to be a warm <laughs> bed for them. And they're out there in the big wide world and uh, they struggle. Mm. They really do struggle. There's nothing wrong with that. But what we've got to do is to listen to what it is that they need and help and give them the right support so that they can make the decisions that they need to move forward. Yeah, yeah. So coming back to, to business again, if you could give us one top tip for improving business relationships, what would that be? I think the top tip that I would give you is really learn to be more empathetic. And I think that that goes through everything that we've talked about this morning. It's how do you put yourself into the other person's shoes? How do you see the world through their eyes? How do you emotionally engage with the situation that they find themselves in? You might not agree with them. All you're trying to do is to understand. And it's through that understanding you can help and support them not by telling them what to do but by coaching them and asking them the right questions in order that they can go away feel well supported and know that they have got the capability of making the decisions that they need to make i think it's very sensible advice thank you so finally then robin how can people connect with you and purchase your books if they want to well, the books are available on Amazon and in all good bookshops, although there are very, very few of those these mm. days, unfortunately. Um, or you can contact me, robin at ei4change.com. That's ei4change.com. Or go along to the website, ei4change.com. Lovely. Thank you very much, Robin. And uh, best of luck with your business and, uh, and your books. And, um, and of course, your networking. Thank you ever so much, Liz. And best of luck to you and your business and your networking. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Small Business Big Network. If you found this podcast useful, please do rate, review and subscribe. And don't forget to share it with the rest of your network too.